What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actress Scarlett Johansson and the miniseries The Queen's Gambit. But first, let's talk about actress Scarlett Johansson. And I'm a big fan of Scarlett Johansson. She's one of the biggest movie stars in the world. She's been in Marvel movies. She's now been nominated for two Oscars. But something I find interesting about her career is how overlooked the beginning of it is. I mean, just recently, she's had enormous successes, but some of her early films seem to be ignored nowadays. I mean, at just 13 years old, she starred in The Horse Whisperer alongside Robert Redford. I mean, this was a film directed by Robert Redford. I feel like most people forget about the fact that Scarlett Johansson has been around forever. At 13, she was acting, and now she's 35 and at the top of her game. And then there are some films in the early 2000s that I think her performances in are quite overlooked. Take Lost in Translation, for example, a great film directed by Sofia Coppola. We all give Bill Murray an enormous amount of credit for that film. He's the one that gets the Oscar nomination. That film is not very good without Scarlett Johansson in it. Then you have one of my favorite films of all time called In Good Company. It stars Dennis Quaid and Topher Grace and I think Scarlett Johansson is one of the best things in this film. Her scenes with Dennis Quaid are awesome. They have a great father-daughter dynamic and her relationship with Topher Grace in that film is also excellent. She is so good in that film and she's still like only like 18 years old when that movie comes out. That's the type of film where the premise sounds stupid like this guy who's taking over he's really young and he's now the boss of the older guy like that premise seems like a dumb movie but that movie is really really underrated and Scarlett Johansson is one of the biggest reasons why I also loved her performance in the film Match Point and the Christopher Nolan film The Prestige along with Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman Rebecca Hall she was really good in The Prestige and again that's at a point in her career where she's still in her early 20s She's been in so many films at that point, directed by some of the best directors, Robert Redford, Paul Weitz, Woody Allen, and Christopher Nolan. Johansson has been in some bad movies, like We Bought a Zoo, but her track record is, for the most part, higher than most actresses of her era. Like, she is, for the most part, in really high-caliber amounts of films. And then in the mid-2000s, she becomes, like, an action star, appearing in Black Widow and Iron Man 2, and then all the Avenger films, and... And movies like Lucy, I mean, she's had like this second career where we almost ignore those earlier films. But I think it's those earlier films that I admire way more than her work as Black Widow. Like, I really like her as the character of Black Widow. I'm super excited to see the movie Black Widow. Like, I think she's really good in that character. But it's those early films that I enjoy way more. There's also one part of her career that's actually super underrated, and that's her voice. She's given some really good vocal performances in movies like Her, The Jungle Book, and Isle of Dogs. I think Scarlett Johansson has a really distinctive voice, and she is really on fire in Spike Jonze's Her. Like, as good as Joaquin Phoenix is in that film, and he should have won an Oscar, I think Scarlett Johansson's vocal performance in that film is superb, and it carries the movie. It makes that phone that he's falling in love with feel like a real person. And again, she's caught in the Jungle Book. She's in Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. Scarlett Johansson's voice is a really underrated aspect of her acting career. 
Scarlet's also had supporting roles in some of the most underrated films of its era. I think about Don John, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt film. That film is so good, and she's so good in it. Julianne Moore is also in that film. Tony Danza shows up in that film. That's an early Brie Larson film. That film really holds up even now, and I wish Joseph Gordon-Levitt directed more films, because that film, Don John, I definitely recommend it. And then she also showed up in the Coen brother film Hail Caesar. This was a star-studded event. George Clooney, Josh Brolin, this film, Jonah Hill's in this movie, Scarlett Johansson, Channing Tatum. I really like this film. It's really underrated. Alden Enright gives the best performance of his career in this film. Again, Scarlett Johansson doesn't have a main part in this film, but it's another example of her showing up in a really good movie. I need to talk about Scarlett Johansson's magical 2019 because not only was it the best year of her career. I think it's one of the best years an actress has ever had on screen. Not only did she show up in the biggest movie ever, Avengers Endgame, she also was nominated for two Oscars for two critically lauded films in Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. She was able to have the best of both worlds. She was able to be the action star who's in the biggest movie on the planet while also show she is a bona fide actress. That's the type of year I want people who appear in super hero movies to have. Yes, you can be in these big blockbuster films that everyone is going to see, but I also want to see you in films that really matter and show that you are a great actor. And that's what she did. She appeared in Avengers Endgame, which is a really good film. Yes, it is a really good film. I really enjoyed Avengers Endgame, but it was her performances in Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, for me, that made that year special. She became the first performer to be nominated for two Oscars since Jamie Foxx in 2005 when he was nominated for Ray and the movie Collateral. This was a huge year for Scarlett Johansson. And again, she had become so known as the action star that I think I kind of forgot how good of an actress she is. And 2019 reaffirmed her spot on the list of the best actresses working today. Again, she was able to be in the biggest movie ever directed by the Russo brothers while also working with two great auteur filmmakers in Noah Baumbach and Taika Waititi. And that gets me to the best performance of her career was in Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. Her scenes with Adam Driver and Laura Dern are incredible. She should have won the Oscar. I'm sorry, Renee Zellweger. You should not have won the Oscar for playing Judy. I think Renee Zellweger's only Oscar should be for the movie Jerry Maguire, but that's just me. Now, back to Scarlett Johansson's performance. I think it was the best performance of the year last year. I think her and Adam Driver probably both should have brought home Oscars. I love Joaquin Phoenix. I don't think the Joker is his best performance ever. I think it's an Oscar-worthy performance, but I don't think he should have won. I think we're going to look back in five years and think to ourselves, we should have paid more respect to the movie Marriage Story. I think it was the best film of last year. It's the movie I've watched the most from last year. I just think it's going to really hold up, and we're going to look back and go, wow, that movie should have gotten way more awards than it received. Yes, Laura Dern winning an Oscar was great, but I would have rather 
another. Scarlett Johansson get the Oscar she really deserved. Looking ahead to what's next on the docket for Johansson, she's set to star in Black Widow. Yes, the beloved character is finally getting her own solo film. This film will also star Florence Pugh, who had a big 2019 with the films Little Women and Midsommar. David Harbour from Stranger Things and Rachel Weiss is appearing in this film from The Favorite. The Lobster, about a boy. Who isn't a fan of Rachel Weiss at this point? Going back to her work in the Mummy movies, she's always fantastic and no matter what she does, I loved her in the Ryan Reynolds film, Definitely Maybe. I'm excited for this film, even though it seems like it's going to be a prequel because, spoiler alert, the character of Black Widow is dead in the MCU right now. Listen, I don't know how good of a movie this is going to be. I'm looking more forward to what Scarlett Johansson is going to do after she plays this iconic character because I want more movies like Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, and that's what I think she has left in her in her career. Yes, I think it's cool that she has this like action career with Lucy and Black Widow, but I want more of those earlier films like Matchpoint, like Lost in Translation in good company because I think Scarlett Johansson is a really underrated actress and I want more of the 2019 Johansson where yes she appears in a big blockbuster but also appears in two critically acclaimed beloved movies. Here's the list of films I recommend you watch if you want to admire the work of Scarlett Johansson, The Horse Whisperer, Lost in Translation, In Good Company, Matchpoint, The Prestige, The Avengers, Don John, Her, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, of Avengers Age of Ultron, Hail Caesar, The Jungle Book, Captain America Civil War, Isle of Dogs, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit. Watch these films and admire the work of Scarlett Johansson, one of the best actresses of her generation. Now let's switch gears and talk about the miniseries The Queen's Gambit. Here's a quick synopsis. Orphaned at a young age, Beth Harmon becomes a wonderkin chess player and competes to be the best player in the world while also dealing with her own personal demons, alcoholism, and drug addiction. This is absolutely one of the best television shows of the year and one of the best miniseries of all time, and that starts with the lead performance from Anya Taylor-Joy. She is a force on this show. Give her the Emmy right now. It's the best performance on television so far this year. She's also got big things happening movie-wise. She's taking over the role made famous by Charlie Theron, Furiosa in the Mad Max Fury Road prequel, Furiosa, where she'll star alongside Chris Hemsworth and Yahya Abdul-Mateen and she's also starring in Edgar Wright's latest film Last Night in Soho a horror film along with Matt Smith and Thomas and McKenzie and she's set to appear in The Northman an upcoming film reuniting her with director Robert Eggers the two of them work together on the film The Witch and she's co-starring in that alongside Nicole Kidman Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke know the name Anya Taylor-Joy because she's not going anywhere she's going to become one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. And think about her work this year. Not only did Anya Taylor-Joy star in this miniseries The Queen's Gambit, she also starred in the film Emma, which is one of the best comedy films of the year. Recently, she's been known as like the queen of horror starring in Split and The Witch and even The New Mutants is kind of like a superhero horror film, but now she's kind of overcoming that genre. Like, I'm sure The Northman will still be kind of scary and of course The Last Night in Soho 
but now she's got a major franchise in Furiosa. She's taking that next step of her career to become a full-fledged movie star. I couldn't imagine another actress playing the role of Beth Harmon. I mean, Anya Taylor-Joy was able to make this chess player one of the most fascinating people ever. She's a fictional character, yet I really cared about her as a person because I found her interesting, and I think all that credit goes to Anya Taylor-Joy. Again, just give her the Emmy Award now because I can't see anybody else competing in that category of Best Lead Actress in a miniseries. When talking about this show, you also have to talk about the amazing supporting performances. Let's start off with Marielle Heller. She's most known for directing films like A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Can You Ever Forgive Me? You also have Bill Camp, who's been in everything recently. He appeared in The Joker. He appeared in The Night Of. This guy is one of the best supporting actors working today. He's one of those guys that's not well known, but he appears in everything. Moses Ingram, who plays Beth Harmon's best friend in this show, is terrific. You also have Harry Melling, who's best known as Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter film franchise. But this year has been a breakout year for Harry Melling. He also appeared as a villainous sinister character in the film The Devil All the Time. I thought he was terrific in that. He's terrific in The Queen's Gambit. He also appeared in The Lost City of Z. I mean, this guy is a legitimate actor. And then you have Thomas Brody Sangster, who's awesome in this show. I first saw him in the film Nowhere Boy, where he played Paul McCartney alongside Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was playing John Lennon. I absolutely love that film. And his performance in The Queen's Gambit is arguably the second best performance in this show. He plays Benny Watts, Beth Harmon's American rival at times in this show. He's a wild rogue chess player who thinks very highly of himself. I think this was a great performance from Thomas Brody. Sangster. We need to talk about the writer and director of The Queen's Gambit, that's Scott Frank. He has become the master of the miniseries. He previously created the western show Godless, which had an all-time great performance from Jeff Daniels. That show is equally captivating. If you haven't watched all the episodes of Godless, I highly recommend. If you're a fan of The Queen's Gambit, you would absolutely love Godless. And just look at the films this guy has written. Get Shorty a great John Travolta film along with Gene Hackman. You have Out of Sight, George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, Minority Report, an all-time great Tom Cruise film. Minority Report is so underrated. Colin Farrell in Minority Report. That is the most underrated film directed by Steven Spielberg. Scott Frank is the one who wrote that movie. And he also wrote the film Logan, which has great last performances of these actors playing these iconic characters. It's the last time you'll see Patrick Stewart as Professor X probably. It's the last time you'll see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. That's a really good film. And unlike any other comic book movie I've ever seen. Now let's talk about all the reasons why I love The Queen's Gambit. First off, the show sucks you in because you care about the character of Beth Harmon. You want her to become the best chess player in the world. The show also does the impossible. It makes a chess 
chess match, captivating and entertaining. You feel the pressure of the moment watching Beth play. You care about the outcome. You want Beth to become the best chess player in the world. It's about the person. The show realizes it's about the character of Beth and not your actual interest or disinterest in the game of chess. It's about the characters. It's about how the Thomas Brody Sangster character is interesting. It's about how the Harry Mellon character is interesting. It's about this girl, Beth Harmon, entering a world she's never been in before and becoming one of the best chess players in the world at such a young age. It gets that it's about the characters and not the actual game of chess. Also, the look of this show is incredible. It makes you feel nostalgic for a time period you might not even have lived in. Like, I didn't live during this time period, but man, I felt nostalgic and I don't really know why. Another thing I absolutely loved about this show, and I think it's the best thing I can say about this show, is that every episode moved the story forward. There wasn't an episode that was just there for filler. Like, that's an issue I have with watching some of these miniseries that are 8 to 10 episodes. It feels like they just pile on an extra hour that's not necessary. Every single moment of The Queen's Gambit feels like a necessity to the show, and you're enjoying every moment of it. I think all of it moves the story forward. It's about the story and it's about the characters. Every single moment is important. There's not one dull moment in the Queen's Gambit. Every moment of this show is necessary. Even other great shows, I have issues with that, like Stranger Things. Stranger Things usually has like, what, eight to ten episodes? And there's usually two episodes where I'm like, wow, I really didn't even need to watch that one to help move the story forward. The Queen's Gambit, you absolutely need to watch every single second of it to understand this show. And again, not every miniseries is like that. A lot of them have these filler episodes of nonsense and they add characters that weren't even there before and you don't really know what's happening. No, The Queen's Gambit has a list of characters that continue to reappear in each episode and every episode moves this series forward in an interesting and captivating way. Also, The Queen's Gambit gives you the most satisfying ending a miniseries could possibly give you. It gives you what you absolutely want, but you don't see it coming. Like, again, a lot of shows give you what you want, and you can see it coming. This show, you don't quite know how it's going to end, unless if you haven't read the book that it's based off of. I didn't know how this show was going to end, and I was so satisfied by the ending. Sometimes you watch these shows, and the first, like, seven episodes are terrific, and then that final episode leaves you on, like, a cliffhanger or a terrible ending that makes you feel sour about the experience of watching this show. No, the ending of The Queen's Gambit makes you want to re-watch The Queen's Gambit because of how satisfying that ending is, and you want to experience that moment over and over and over again. That's another great thing I can say about The Queen's Gambit. A terrific ending to a terrific series. The ending was worthy, if not better, than the entire show itself. And that, again, it's so rare in 2020 to have a great show with a great ending but the Queen's Gambit does just that. The beginning is great. The middle of it is great. And the ending is great. All of the show is great. And if I were ranking TV shows, I would put this in my top two shows of the year along with The Great. I'm not sure which one of the shows I like better, but The Queen's Gambit is definitely in that discussion. Those were the two most satisfying watches for me of 2020. I loved every second of The Queen's Gambit and I loved every second of The Great. And those two shows are example of why you get movie stars
stars to do television shows because they actually make the shows more interesting. Again, I couldn't imagine The Queen's Gambit without Anya Taylor-Joy. She's a star in the making. It's so obvious. The Great has Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt. I'm sorry, people who will get mad when movie stars do TV. I'm not mad. I think it makes TV all the more better. Get as many movie stars as you want to do miniseries because, again, The Queen's Gambit is as good as not better of any movie that I've seen so far in 2020. It's just that good. And the biggest reason why is because it's movie star lead Anya Taylor-Joy. I think this show also proves why miniseries are the way that television should go. Because again, you get what? Eight episodes of watching The Queen's Gambit. You get a great performance from Anya Taylor-Joy. And then the whole experience is just over. In like a week, you could watch this show. I just like that experience so much more than if I had to watch season after season of Beth Harmon getting better at chess. No, it was an experience watching The Queen's Gambit, and it's an experience I'd like to do over and over again. Like, if this was a five-season show that was 20 episodes a year, I would get so bored by it. But because it's eight hours, and because it's Anya Taylor-Joy giving one of the best performances of the year, The Queen's Gambit was one of the best shows of the year. Miniseries or not, it's one of the best television shows of the year. I definitely recommend you check out The Queen's Gambit. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on actress Scarlett Johansson and the miniseries The Queen's Gambit. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Possessor, starring Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott, and First Cow, starring John Magaro and Orion Lee. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. 